First things first. First things first is the DU General Money B. I'ma put you up on the schedule. Six to nine, eight weekdays, not two and seven. Let's go. We got a lot to talk about, so much to pedal through. Unapologetically progressive. Tune to KBLA 1580 to get the mess. With your ancestors' favorite radio station. First black on talk radio, left side of the nation. Me and Dominique the Prima go way back. Smiley making sure the station stays black. Discussing all the issues in our community. With hopes that black and brown and others find unity. So let's talk about it. Maybe we can improve it. Digital underground, always down with the moon. Come on. So we tune in. First things first with the queen of black talk radio. Dominique to Prima. Go, sis. KBLA Talk 1580. Good morning and God bless. I'm Dominique DePrima. The show is called First Things First. My first thing today and every day, giving thanks, giving praises, and asking for blessings from God, asking for the blessings of the ancestors and the elders. And let's go. We've got a lot to talk about as usual. This is what we do in the first hour. We typically look to the left coast, what's going on on this side. Then hour two, we go national, international, and beyond. In the third hour, we do a deep dive with a person or persons of interest. Today is no exception, and I'm absolutely looking forward to talking with you. As always, you are invited in 800-920-1580, We're looking for our partner in politics this morning. Of course, we'll have a Mindful Monday with Sahara Ali, get ourselves together, set our intention, have a little guided meditation to drive us through the week on a spiritual plane. This the holiday season, after all, whichever holidays you celebrate, it's so important to look inside and connect with the reason for your season. Our deep dive today, we're going to look at women's health, black women's health, specifically around breast cancer. Another thing I believe during this period of time where folks go to a lot of parties and a lot of celebrations is to be even more mindful than ever about our health, our well-being, especially for black women who have not just more societal pressures and drama, but also more certain kinds of vulnerabilities, i.e. why does breast cancer attack black women more? Why does it have more fatal outcomes? And what can we do about it? Because there are things that can be done about it and some great things being done about it. So looking forward to the conversation with Rhonda M. Smith from the Black Health Network. We got a lot to talk about. Like I said, this is the moment to call 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580. As you all know, I am still on the road and was so sad to hear about this serial killer, alleged serial killer. I mean, I can't really say alleged because there are three unhoused people that were murdered 
and a, apparently a follow home uh, killing that was thought to be done by the same person. Now an arrest has been made and Mayor Karen Bass, I know, was giving a lot of credit to the district attorney and the police department for apprehending the suspect. It just reminds me how vulnerable folks are who are unhoused and how scary and serious this is for people who find themselves, for whatever the reason, being unhoused uh, and being preyed upon. I mean, you've got people who are dying on the street every day in L.A. and every major city. It's not just L.A., but it's it happens a lot in L.A. because we have a big population in California, and our unhoused population is also quite large. So they're dying from everything from not having decent health care to cold or heat. And the last thing we need was a serial killer. I guess we'll get more information about what this story was. But the guy allegedly was just walking up to people and shooting them. Um, walking up to a man sleeping. Another one who had walked up to an electrical outlet and was charging his phone on the street, which is a little window into all of the challenges a person faces as a, as an unhoused person. How do you charge your phone? How do you stay warm? How do you stay safe? How do you take a bath? Um, these challenges and now being stopped. So I'm glad to know, and I hope they got the right person. Of course, as usual, it's always terrible when you see uh, a black person or, arrested. And I know probably if you're like me, it's just heartbreaking because I assume there's some kind of terrible mental health story or terrible story behind this. Um, and actually we have someone who knows quite a bit about the situation with unhoused folks he is a rap artist. I don't even want to say former um, pastor of the church without walls and the executive director of creating justice. Um, pastor Q. Good morning. Good morning, Dominique. How are you? I'm blessed. How are you doing this morning? Man, doing good. Doing good. Just leaving the gym. So doing good. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> You're a dedicated gym goer, right? <laughs> yeah, for years, for years. How many days a week do you go, Pastor? Um, probably I go to the gym about three times a week and then hit the sand dunes. Uh, after that, sand dunes in Manhattan Beach. By hit yeah. the sand dunes, you mean run up giant hills made of sand? <laughs> Pretty much, 100 feet, yeah. And how many times you know, do you do that? It. How many reps? I'm, uh, probably about, just walk up about five times and then sprint halfway about five times. Whew, that's a serious workout. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's a good inspiration yeah, for all of us this holiday season. Be like Pastor Q. It, <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> yeah, well, so. I, I was talking about the situation with this guy, uh, Jared Joseph Powell, who is in custody now for three shootings of homeless folks in L.A., uh, fatal shootings, and another one, another follow home. That was a really scary situation for everybody who's unsheltered, and I know that's a big part of your ministry. What are your thoughts on that case? Well, obviously, you know, whenever something like this happens, folks will focus on the issue at hand, and of course we should, but the situation is that when you have an environment where folks are not say, safe, when you have an environment where folks are unhoused, when you've gone from 60,000 folks being houseless to 75,000 folks being houseless, when you can send $14 billion to fight war and you can't take care of the poor, like Pac would probably say if he was here, I mean, when you can spend billions of dollars, you can just instantly uh, spend billions of dollars and send it overseas and you can't take care of your own people here in this nation. Not that we shouldn't help others, but if you're going to help others, they tell you all the time. If you are on a plane and you lose oxygen and you're traveling with children, first put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then help the child. Because if you pass out, then, you know, uh, the child can't get help. And so the child can't, can't help itself depending on how, you know, old the, the, the child is. And so the situation at hand is a, a situation is, is policy failure for years and years. We've been screaming. I just read a report that, uh, uh 55 people over 50 are, they're like 11 million seniors who have lost their homes or, or who are actually housing insecure. And then they are about 50, uh, I, I think over about people over 50 are losing their homes for the first time. Uh, and then there's a group of folks they're saying that are over uh, uh, 45 that have aged on the street, right? So this is a decade long situation. And so Everyone is going to have a knee-jerk reaction to this particular situation, but we've been reacting to the pandemic that is houselessness forever. Yeah, I mean, no lies told. I feel like you're right, the houselessness pandemic, as you put it. And also this idea that the LA Times had a great article about how so many of the unsheltered folks on our streets are aging onto the streets. They can't keep their mortgages up or they can't keep their rent up once they retire or lose their jobs and are living on social security or some other kind of benefit, some other kind of earned benefit. And that's a really scary thought. And I do see that playing out. You see folks with colostomy bags and wheelchairs tipped over and all kinds of situations on the streets where it's very clear that they need medical help. Yeah, Dominique, it's not clear that America has been doing this for a long time, right? Because, you know, I've been on the streets of Skid Row for 17 years, right? That's 10 plus 7, right? For folks 
uh, who didn't hear that. And I've seen ambulances dropping folks off with their IVs, right, in their hospital gowns, right? Uh, we had to, you know, our community organizations have had to sue even, uh, you know, hospitals for this type of uh, neglect and abuse, right? And so the conditions... The, the, the conditions are unsafe because folks make it unsafe. The folks that can help make it unsafe, right? Because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And, uh, you know, it's a housing issue. It's a housing crisis. We've had this housing crisis in America. And when you look across the board, it doesn't matter where you look at number, national numbers, whether you look at uh, uh, local numbers, the numbers of African-Americans who are unhoused or black folks who are unhoused will always outpace everybody else in terms of percentage, because from the second great migration till now, black folks have never had housing. We've always had to fight for it. Uh, when they let our folks go in 1865, they, you know, they let them go without housing. And so it's always been a struggle. Uh, housing has always been a struggle for black folks. And that's why we say houselessness is a racial justice issue. Had it been any other issue, they would have resolved it. We're talking with Pastor Q, Creating Justice LA, The Row, The Church Without Walls. You're welcome to Join the conversation, 800-920-1580. We are unapologetically progressive. KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Your ancestors' favorite radio station. Radio station. And your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now. Right now, talking with uh, Pastor Q. The Church Without Walls and Creating Justice LA. Pastor Q, I should have asked you uh, right off the top, how are things going with your brand new hip hop smoothie shop and the downtown space that you have, the healing center? Yeah, uh, the, the Creating Justice LA Peace and Healing Center is going well. Uh, Los Angeles opened uh, about nine healing centers across uh, the county and uh, in Skid Row and we creating justice uh, was chosen as one of the organizations to, um, to actually provide that space in Skid Row uh, and to speak about the dysfunction of our city. Uh, we received the grant to be able to do that. And here it is the last quarter. And we, we, we went ahead because uh, we had some funds in store and, and actually uh, opened up the center in May. And we still haven't received the dime from the city. And one of the things the city is saying is that uh, one of the things the city controller said, uh, uh, because I called the city controller because I had a relationship with him and uh, had him look into this. And he's saying the city is saying, uh, well, it's because of short staffing. And I know that doing work with, with the unions, we know that Los Angeles is about, I think, between 4,000 to 11,000 vacancies in terms of departments. And uh, so the city is not functioning correctly. Uh, we know that during the pandemic, the only department that they did not cut was law enforcement. Uh, and this is how they choose to use law enforcement when it comes to uh, the houseless community is to, to deal with the issues that they should be dealing with, right? If we didn't have folks on the streets, folk wouldn't be getting killed uh, like that. 
Uh, and then if we want, you know, spitting out rhetoric that criminalizes the houseless folks and otherizing the houseless folks, then some of this stuff wouldn't happen. I'm sitting here thinking about um, one of our friends who got, you know, who got burned in his tent a couple of years ago, right? Um, folks living in these conditions, it's, it's not ideal conditions. So folks are going to have uh, a conflict, even when we live in, 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 in good conditions, right? We have conflict. So a lot of these things are going to happen, but the reality is that the conditions allow it, right? We have conditions that are not humane. And so, yeah, we're at the Peace and Healing Center. We provide uh, water. Folks can come in every day and get water when it's super hot outside. They can come in and sit down and, you know, um, and, and get something to drink absolutely free. We provide coffee. We're seeing about 30 people every single day coming through the center. We haven't advertised one bit. We're in the midst of Skid Row. It's called the Nickel, where we have about 9,000 folks who are housed in single residency occupancy. That is a room that is no bigger than um, basically a prison cell, uh, not even as big as a hotel room, but it's probably as big as a, uh, a prison cell. And when it's hot, people can't stay in those places because there are no ACs. Uh, so the conditions, even when folks are housed, right? So Skid Row has the, the largest um, concentration of affordable housing in the nation and also the largest concentration of houseless folks in the nation. So it's a community that is not just houseless folks, but house, house folks who are also poor in less than humane conditions. It's mm. a great point. So Pastor Q, tell folks where it is in case they're listening on Skid Row or unhoused. Uh, we do have folks living in their cars and in other kinds of situations that listen. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely, we, we are 116 East 5th Street in Los Angeles. Uh, and uh, it's in, we're in the nickel. So if you know Skid Row, you know where the nickel's at, right? It's in the nickel area. So 116 East 5th Street, 5th, with a 5, 5th Street uh, in Los Angeles. And, um, yeah, just come through on Thursday night. We've got, um, we've got a, um, open mic call off the top Thursday. It's always uh, a lot of folks because music is healing. Self-expression is healing. Uh, yeah. So we've got a healing circle book club on, uh, on Wednesdays at 12 noon, uh, just dealing with the, uh, going through a book called weathering right now, um, the extraordinary stress of living in an unjust society and trying to help folks cope with that. We, we've got a, a healing room or, or, or a prayer room or a meditation room, whatever your faith tradition is, you can go in there and, and, and meditate and, and deal with, you know, if you're dealing with some stuff and, and some stress on the outside, you can go in and have some time to really calm down. I think last week I went and I saw somebody just taking a full blown net, somebody just laid down just sleeping right um because they said i had they and they woke up and said i haven't had a good night's sleep in a long time so um yeah so this is just some of the stuff we do the healing room or healing center whatever so beautiful uh, really lovely and does feel like a little sanction uh sanctuary i should say in the middle of skid row you 
are a pastor, you're a Christian. I think a lot of the places that help the unhoused, you have a sort of an evangelical approach, right? You don't do that. You just said whatever your faith tradition. Why is that, Pastor Q? Well, first of all, I, I don't even label myself a Christian, right? I mean, my faith tradition is I believe in Jesus, yeah, but I would say I'm probably a Rastafarian, right? Because I was born in the Caribbean. Uh, I was influenced by Rastafarian religion. I just believe in Jesus, right? So my culture is a little bit differently. Uh, it was Professor James Cone, the great theologian, that said that uh, religion is not he is not God's speech. It's human speech. It's what we say about what God says, right? So uh, I take my culture with me, and I believe in loving folks without strings. When we first went to Skid Row and we did church, you know, from it's been 17 years, we've been doing the exact same thing, feeding folks on Skid Row, right? Uh, we have service, and then we feed folks afterward. And I tell them, you don't have to listen to me speak for you to eat. We feed folks at 8 o'clock. You can leave and come back at 8 o'clock. You don't have to, you know, I'm not here to try and convince you to listen to me. Uh, um, I'm not here to get you to say, well, you, you have to follow Jesus in order for you to get something to eat. That's not the way Jesus operated. Jesus just gave some, somebody something to eat. He just gave folks something to eat and folks followed him. He tried to get away from folks and folks were following him. Right. And, <laughs> and oftentimes, and oftentimes that's what happens. Uh, the Peace and Healing Center, when we do stuff in the Peace and Healing Center, we don't tell people, oh, this is a religious space. We're like, no, this is, you're free to be whoever you are. We have uh, folks who are in the Peace and Healing Center all the time. We have folks who are Muslim. We have folks who are, you know, Christians. We have folks who are Buddhist, uh, Jewish folks. Folks just come in and, and, and be who they are, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, we're just here to, to serve the community and we're part of the community and we want to be an inclusive community. Uh, you don't have to believe what I believe and I don't have to believe what you believe, but we just have to believe in humanity. We have to believe, uh, that, uh, we, we can love and protect one other, one another in the words of Asada Shakur. Pastor Q, we got a couple minutes before news, traffic and sports, and we'll continue on the other side. You mentioned that the city is lagging in getting you the funding to keep the Healing Justice Center going, even though they are committed to funding these centers. What can we do to help? Yeah, well, I think, you know, uh, I think awareness, right? Uh, bringing these things to the forefront, because it's not only us, it's the fact that the city is not running efficiently even the mayor came out and said one of the issues she was having was the bureaucracy right uh mm -hmm. we know that even with the with the funding that we receive uh not we personally but the the, the city to met to all these measure measure age measure triple h and all of that stuff the mayor is saying oh it, it's bureaucracy you know we know that 18 percent 11 percent or whatever percentage of of trying to build housing went to soft cost and so because of that housing cost is way through the roof and all of that stuff you know all of that stuff doesn't have to be but when you have a city where you know each department is about 20 percent understaffed there's a problem and then the, the and then you know, and then you're you're giving raises to law enforcement, but you but you're cutting everything else. That that's a tragedy, and it's a travesty. Talking with Pastor Q, you can get in on the conversation. Eight hundred nine two zero fifteen eighty. We are KBLA Talk fifteen eighty. Boom boom.
KBLA Talk 1580 wishes you a Christmas season that is merry and bright. bright. Happy holidays. Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. And you're not just waking up with me today. Pastor Q is in the building. Appreciate the conversation. Pastor Q, talk to me about how you see our progress as a city around the unhoused. And not just the city, the county. We were talking yesterday, well, Friday, about how the county is now getting these master leases on buildings so that they could use them for people, not just unsheltered people, but also people who have been living in shelters, waiting for permanent housing. And the idea that if they lease the entire building, they could more quickly and efficiently put people into apartments. I believe this is inspired by the mayor's safer inside program. It's called Pathway Home. I know there's been some bumps along the way. It's a work in progress, but how do you see it? Uh, Well, anything that, because I'm not sure if it's the same program uh, that we're talking about. I know the mayor had, the mayor wanted to uh, turn uh, certain, you know, uh, even uh, housing like Skid Row housing um, trust, right? They had this this issue, and they're in receivership because of the inadequate housing they were providing and mismanagement of funds and all of that stuff, right? So I know uh, she's talking about trying to get more uh, shelter space. Um, and for me, when I hear shelter space, a red flag goes up because shelter. There's so many issues with shelters, and that's why you have so many people on the streets. Uh, first of all, people don't want to be in carceral housing. Carceral housing, that simply means that people feel like, you know, housing is more like a jail, right? They have to come right, in at they a have certain time. And, and all that stuff. Yeah, no, but we, what I was asking stuff. about was apartments. But, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I think that's yeah. the challenge is how do you get people out of shelters and into housing where they can – function as free adults. Right, right. The question is, but the, the issue is, is it going to be enough housing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I have to see it. I've got to see um, what the result of that is going to be. Because I've, I've heard that what the mayor wants to do is to create more shelters before housing. And I'm not sure if that's the program you're talking about. I think she wants to create more uh, shelter conditions so that you can That's get That's not what she told me last week on the show, <laughs> but okay. okay. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, well, so, yeah. Because what she that, was telling me is some, that with Safer Inside, uh, the problem that they're having, they take people out, put them in hotels, is problems with the supportive services at the hotels, right, being mm-hmm. up to par because a lot of the nonprofits are just not, able to function at that high capacity. And then the other issue she mentioned was exactly what you're saying, having those apartments that you could take people and move them from the hotel, which is meant to be temporary and getting them into housing. She didn't say anything about increasing shelter. What she was talking about is finding more 
permanent housing so they can get people out of the hotels so that when you do safer inside, you don't take someone to a hotel and then leave them there for a year. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure about that program yet. I'd have to see, you know, how it transpires, right? Because, you know, as you can tell, I don't have faith in, in, in any of these programs that we've had because they've all failed. <laughs> that doesn't surprise right? Yeah. They've all watched failed, right? Fail. We've gone from, yeah, we've watched them fail. We have more people falling into houselessness, you know, than we can house. So, they, yeah. and it's it's been like that. That's why two years ago we were at 60,000 folks who were houseless. Today we have 75,000 folks, right? And um, it's not that the city is, is not that getting folks. number coming off. from that count that they do? Yeah, um, exactly. So right? it could, it's it could actually it's be about more. about 75,000. Exactly. It, it could be more. And so uh, the issue is, you know, how do we stop people, especially uh, folks who are, especially our seniors, how do we stop our seniors from losing yeah. their homes and ended up on the streets, right? Um, so it's income inequality. It's the structure, it's the system. So it doesn't yeah. matter what you do around the system. If you don't address the system of poverty, if you don't address the system of housing and availability, if you don't address the system of housing unafford uh, unaffordability, then you're going to have a problem, right? The problem will persist because we're not addressing those systems. Pastor Q, we got some folks that want to talk to you, starting with Randy from Watts. Hi, Randy. Right on. Hello, everybody. Yeah, how was your weekend, Dominique? I hope it was a great Amazing, one. productive, insane. How was yours? <laughs> same thing, same thing. You know, things are not lining up. I've been here in Los Angeles for 74 years in the Watts area, and we're looking at uh, the fact that 75,000 people unhoused. The mayor was on last week. She has over 7,000 jobs available. She can't find people. And, and from what we're hearing, she's only placed 270-some people in private residence. Why are we not helping these people mentally? Because there's definitely something wrong. Right, but... but I, I, I think you're right. Then when it comes to self-defense, we're, we're, we're limited. We cannot defend ourselves. Here in California, you're not allowed to have a weapon that's got more than 10 rounds of ammo in it, and you're approached by five or six people that are coming at you. How many I'm rounds good, do you need? <laughs> we need more than 10 rounds, okay? We need more than 10 rounds. And you also need to have an affordable weapon. And the affordable weapons that are legal for California are all seven or $800. So, you know, the, w, the, the, the CCW line is getting to be as long as the Harbor Freeway. People are lining up. People are, 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 are arming themselves. We don't see this in Texas. We don't see this Yeah, in because they already have guns. Hey, um, Randy, right. the CCW mean concealed carry, right? Yes. Not everybody knows those initials. Okay, you said a whole bunch of stuff. Pastor Q, how do you respond to some of the stuff Randy's talking about? Yeah, well, um, yeah, you know, good morning, Randy. Uh, pleasure to meet you, brother. But the, the reality is, you know, there was just a debate last week between the governor of California and the governor of Texas. And one of the statistics they brought Florida. up was that 
there's uh, Florida. I'm sorry. There's sixty uh, percent of uh, you know gun. California, I mean, Florida has a six sixty um, percent more gun deaths than California, right? So just throwing that out there. But the reality is, the issue is to fix the conditions. You can't you can't expect a plant to grow if the conditions of the soil is not right. So we have to fix the conditions. If folks didn't have to live on the streets, we wouldn't have the issues that we're having on the street. And the reality is not everyone who lives on the street is mentally ill, right? 70% of the folks who live on the streets are not mentally ill. And so if we, and if we focus on the 30% who are mentally ill and who are uh, probably uh, suffering with substance abuse, if we just focus on them and not focus on not allowing a vast, the vast amount of folks to end up on the street in the first place to begin with, we'll never get the problem solved. We've always focused on mental illness and, uh, and, and substance abuse, and we should focus on that, but the main focus should be dealing with the safety net of creating a better environment in our community so folks can thrive. Talking with Pastor Q. Uh, when we come forward, speaking of the folks that are mentally ill, LA County is launching the care courts right now, Gavin Newsom's, Governor Gavin Newsom's plan to deal with the severely mentally ill who are on the street. I want to get your thoughts about that, Pastor Q, when we come forward. And, of course, you can call 800-920-1580, just like Randy did. You're always invited in on KBLA Talk 1580. A safe place to go loud. Loud. A great place for progressive politics. KBLA Talk 1580. Broadcasting live from Lombard Park, USA. Welcome back to your home for unapologetically progressive radio. KBLA Talk 1580. He is a recording artist, a pastor, and an activist. The Church Without Walls, The Row, is his ministry, Creating Justice LA, his community-based organization. And, of course, you can see Pastor Q at many a protest and demonstration all over the place. For those not familiar, Governor Gavin Newsom's care court launched in LA on Friday. It had already been in a bunch of other counties um, in California it is meant to be a mental health emergency care program where first responders or family members, it could be your girlfriend, boyfriend, even your roommate, can petition the court to start the process of enrolling a person who has a critical mental health issue into a state-funded program. Then they would go to a hearing either on Zoom or in one of the various county courthouses inside a private space where they would have a hearing to see if this person uh, qualifies for this treatment and these services. They say they're hoping that by the end of the year, 45, not by the end of this year, but within the first calendar year, 4,500 people could be enrolled through care court. It's meant to get those very critically mentally ill people off the streets and into treatment and it is launching here. In other counties, we haven't seen folks enrolling in droves or being enrolled, I should say, in droves, but it has started to happen. Orange County had 35 petitions since they started, 
and 14 of those were dismissed. So that means what? About 20 people went into treatment. What are your thoughts on this program, Pastor Q? Well, first of all, whenever I hear of a new program, the first thing that goes up are the red flags, right? Um, when you talk about the courts, uh, we know that there is, we've had history with the courts, right? So I'm kind of skeptical of the program. I'm not sure how it's working in other counties, and I've heard some of the same reports that you heard. And if those are the reports, I don't see that as a great success, <laughs> right? Uh, so I'm not sure that's going to work. Uh, and I'm not sure when they when the program does not work. And if it doesn't work, I'm not sure if that if the care courts now have mechanisms in place to move it to the next level where they'll start incarcerating folks and violating people's uh, human rights, right? Because for me, again, the conditions on the ground are not right. And so I think we're, uh, we're, folks are trying to do whatever they can, but I know that these programs often lead to incarcerating folks. Because remember, yeah. our folks our folks supported the war on drugs. Many black folks, not me. a lot of folks supported, <laughs> right, exactly, not me. supported the war on drugs. And what but did yeah, we get? Thing, we got mass incarceration. here's the thing, Pastor Q, and, and, and your argument is the one that people have been making as a warning about the care court, that it could be another way of criminalizing unhoused folks or the mentally ill. People could end up in jail. But I feel like we got to do something for the critically mentally ill that are on the streets. And I'm not sure how you keep it from turning into a mass incarceration program. But one thing they have done is you got to be 18 and you have to either have schizophrenia or a psychotic disorder. Not just any person with a mental health crisis can be institutionalized through this. So I think that's a start. And I know this is not a popular position with progressives, Pastor Q, but I think leaving schizophrenic people on the streets is very problematic. And I just don't think that is, I don't think that's a pr pragmatic, excuse me, pragmatic progressive position. I think this is one where we're, where we as left leaning folks are making a mistake. We want to just talk about only the rights of the unhoused and not the rights of the working class people that live alongside them to not be attacked by a psychotic person or a schizophrenic person to be able to take their children to parks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It can't only be the rights of the unhoused. It also has to be the rights of the working class and the regular people that, you know, are struggling to keep a roof over their heads. Right. I, you know, I agree with you on that. Uh, I just, I'm just saying I don't trust how, I, I just don't trust the system enough to believe that they can do that correctly, right? Mm -hmm. um, they'll have to prove it before I, I believe it, right? <laughs> and I'm speaking, Right, so, but what's the uh, option? Do nothing? Well, the reality is, I say, if you fix the, the, the overall issue, then you can drill down and you can pretty much... Uh, figure out who those folks are because the question that I have a lot of questions who are those folks how do you know who they are right and then You're the other about thing the people is people that are being put into the system or the folks running you, it? exactly 
the, the folks who are being put into the system. Well, they have to right? be referred so by a family you, member, roommate, or uh, I think like a social worker. It's not so. I guess it would be based on referrals. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I mean, if family members are involved and they they know their loved ones, um, uh, I, I, you know, like I said, if I had a, a family member that was Christophanic or, or whatever, I. I wouldn't want law enforcement involved, uh, mm -hmm. but I would, uh, but I would seek to try to do what I can to actually uh, encourage that person uh, to go into into care, right? And so, um, I think I think the village the village um, approach is great. I think we we have a lot of folks who come into our uh, into our center um, that are. Uh, that are mentally ill, right? And we have conversations with them. We talk to them. A lot of times when you try to force folks into stuff, uh, that's when they resist, right? Yeah. So um, I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I have all the answers, but I would say uh, whatever they're going to try, um, I would caution against uh, creating it or allowing it to become something where you're now using law enforcement to, to bring people into conditions uh, where they they should be they should be in conditions where they in spaces where they can heal right putting them in spaces where they can heal if you have that kind of uh, environment where what environment are you putting them in that's my yeah. that's my thing right because that's I remember question. because I remember Dr Woods is a black lady who did uh, uh, research uh, in Skid Row years ago and we one of the things I recommended was spaces of compassion, right? In other words, putting people in spaces of compassion where they can get the care and the healing they need. I don't know that we have spaces of compassion where folks can be healed. I think we're trying to get folks who are schizophrenic not to hurt people, and that's and we should do that. But at the same time, how are we going to put them in a space where the system does not hurt them? Let's go to Willie calling us from Palmdale. Hi, Willie. You're on with Pastor Q. Uh, good morning, good morning, Dominic, and, and, and good morning to your guests. I was thinking about uh, like like uh, modeling modeling uh, Metropolitan State Hospital in Norwalk. They have a large facility that's been functioning for like, uh, 100 years, and we have a, a lot of different empty facilities, uh, like what they used to have a uh, Tascadera uh, uh, facility for criminal mental mental insane. And we have a lot of schools that have black psychiatrists, people going to school for black psychiatrists. Do you think they can build facilities and, and the school can go there to help out with the, the, the people? Well, hand that to you, Pastor Q. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good idea. Um, I like that because it's more of a village approach. It's more of a compassionate uh, approach. Uh, the systems approach is usually where the red flag comes in because it's always you you bring in law enforcement into a situation oftentimes it triggers people law enforcement triggers me because of all the trauma i've had with them in the past right uh because of the interactions i've had with them in the past because of mm -hmm. the interactions i have with them while i was in beverly hills going to virgin records to the record label office right being pulled over you slammed on the ground you know checking the car you know all of that stuff mm -hmm. right so uh, so our folks have that issue, and I think um, 
when you when you when you in terms of bringing in the law because when you tell me care courts when you well, say that I don't that, know what I'm, role police have they're being referred by family and then they go before a, a judge in the care court right. it says that they have an attorney to represent every one of them their their special care court attorney and that if they don't want to participate they're not forced to so i'm not sure that's a really good question what is the role of law enforcement here right exactly because what if the family says well i want them uh i want them i i want to force them to go right and apparently they how can't. are going to do that yeah apparently right, they, they can't can. right they, they can't yeah. they can't but oh yeah so you know again if they can't force them to go then um you know I, again i can't support a system that i haven't seen work in in action. yeah Pastor Q, time flies when you're talking with smart people. What's your call to action or your connection call for us uh, on KBLA this morning? Well, I, yeah, yeah, I think my call to action, especially to uh, community organizations and community folks who are doing work, uh, I think we as a community need to connect more. Uh, I think there need to be more black uh, churches coming down to Skid Row, not just to pass out food, but to actually connect uh, and lock arms together to try and resolve some of these issues. Uh, a lot of the people who are in housing in Skid Row, they are. there was more overdose deaths in Skid Row this year. There was like uh, over a, a thousand percent from 2017. Folks were overdosing in their uh, in their SROs in their homes, in their single residency wow. occupancies. So I think I think having churches and folks uh, come down and actually build relationship with folks in the Skid Row community, not just coming to try to pass out food so we can do a good deed, even though that's okay. I always say uh, equity is better than charity, right? Charity is needed, but equity is better than charity because equity means that the person don't really need you. Uh, but they may need you for support. They may need you to help them mm. get where they need to go, but Pastor they don't Q. need you to make them a project. Yeah. We have to leave it there. Time for new traffic and sports. Hopefully you'll come back again soon. Appreciate you so much. All right. Appreciate you. One love. KBLA Talk 1580.